Log Talk Radio. You're about to hear a revolution in talk radio, Liberty Talk Radio, where the critical thinking will defrag your mind of propaganda-ridden viruses induced by mass media news programming. No BS here, just the facts. And now we present to you America's quintessential iconoclastic anomaly. Wow. In talk radio, your host, Joe Cristiano. Welcome, everyone, to Liberty Talk Radio, America's libertarian voice, broadcasting from our studio in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to around the world. I'm your host, Joe Cristiano, and this is your antidote to popular talk radio. Folks, it's time for us to take back control of our government. Now, before this bureaucratic, oversized, and self-serving federal government starves us of our property, our freedom, our rights, and our liberty. But to do this, we must shape conventional thinking regarding our political structure. We need to be revolutionaries in thought, dissidents in action, only after we recognize what our government is doing to our freedom and our constitution will we start taking it back. And this program is just about that. Today, we're pleased and honored to have as our guest, Andy Sutton. He's an economist. And uh, we're going to be talking about government policy. Then there's several government policies today, probably most of which annoy the heck out of most people. And we're going to see if we can make some sense of them and see what the solutions are. Okay, let's see if we can get them on the line here. Okay, Andy, there you are. Andy, thank you very much for being on our show today. Yeah, I, I, I hope I don't make too many mistakes and uh, blank you out <laughs> a few times. But, Andy, you know, there's, there's so much going on today. Um, there, there's to be so many changes being made. Um, but none of the changes, from my perspective, seem to be for the better. Um, so much sounds good, but really runs kind of bad, I think, in my opinion. Um, you know, we, we're supposed to be reducing our debt when we're increasing our debt. We're supposed to be reducing our spending, we're increasing our spending. There are so many things that we're doing wrong, and yet people are blindsided just by the fact that, you know, somehow someone's going to make America great again and everything's going to be fine. Um, my, my major concern is our relationships with the other countries and that we seem to be alienating not only co- countries that we had a poor relationship with, but even our allies or those that we've had very close relationships with. And I just don't feel comfortable. It doesn't seem that we're doing anything that makes much sense from a diplomatic point of view, from an economic point of view. Um, and from a freedom point of view, am I just a skeptic, too much of a skeptic? And should I go in the corner and, you know, make amends or something? is being pushed right onto that amount. And people say, well, what's, what's, what does it matter if it's so high that it can never possibly be paid back? Why don't we just run it until it, run it until it breaks, run it until it crashes or, you know, whatever it's going to do. I hate to use the word crash because it's so cliche, but, you know, just run it into the wall. Uh, there's a good reason why you don't want to do that. And it has to do with 
if you have any kind of uh, empathy or feelings or, you know, feelings of uh, nationalism or anything like that, or even just plain old-fashioned love for the next generation, you really um, uh, However, these things are easily sold. Uh, America is a country that loves to buy. Uh, we love to buy lots of things. And if that's not just stuff that's bought with money. Uh, we also buy anything, for the most part, that the uh, that the media and the government establishment happens. And I got, I had my website viciously hacked uh, last year as a result of a column that was written. And you guys know the, the inside story on that, and so do a few other people. Uh, the government also is becoming less and less tolerant critique if you will, uh, voices spoken out against uh, some of these policies. Uh, you're seeing uh, people being flooded with IRS audits, uh, things like I mentioned being hacked. Everybody, I was going to get the tinfoil hat out for him. He needs that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the reality. If you can't, if you can't stomach it, then what I sit so, so in stool and suck your thumb. Because that's what's going on, and that's how the world is. And we've ticked off every country, uh, even the ones that are near and dear to us, like England and you know France. They're still supposedly part of our coalition, but the, uh, the you know the closeness of the of the you know, the economies, uh, the philosophies of government, uh, things like that. That's we've alienated, like you said, uh, many of our partners people that we didn't like and didn't like us before. It seems like we just keep going further and further away. Uh, and, you know, that's obviously not a, especially when we rely on the rest of the world to finance this idiotic uh, credit bubble that we've been ensconced in since you know, the 1970s. So we rely on the world to, to finance on our inflation and do all these kinds of things, and at the same time we're slapping them in the face with sanctions, uh, you know, tariffs, things like that. It's it's poor foreign policy. That's policy is not my real base, uh, but a little common sense. Uh, maybe you don't like somebody. Maybe they do things different than you do. Uh, we don't have to meddle in everybody's business, and that seems to be what our specialty is meddling in elections abroad. Uh, if you read John Perkins' book, uh, Confessions of an Economy, uh, we've intervened in economies and brought countries to their knees. Uh, my, my opinion, after looking at the information, I think that's exactly what is happening in Venezuela and Argentina right now. Uh, Argentina just raised their, uh, basically their equivalent of the Fed funds rate to 40%, and Venezuela has Inflation that's absolutely just, uh, it's out of control. So uh, I think both of those situations have had a little help uh, from, from some of our friends in the, uh, uh, well, not friends, but some of our acquaintances in the banking sector. Well, you know, I, I think the government has, however, been very effective so far because I, I know in our school system, um, they're taught the government version of history, um, and, and, and more importantly, how to think about our history and how to think about our current events. 
And I, I know these school teachers when I speak to them. Uh, I, I don't disagree with them because they get upset and they cry. So I just listen to them. And it, it sure sounds like they've been totally indoctrinated. And then when you see these, they interview college students, the college students never heard the term free enterprise, you know, free trade. Uh, never heard those comments before. Um, they say, oh, the, the, Bernie Sanders has got all the colleges wrapped up in his pocket, and they, they think he's the best thing since sliced bread, and he's got the answers to everything. And no one is even giving a thought to the fact that this is, this is a socialism, communism, fascism type of government that they're talking about, and they're embracing it, but they can't connect the dots. So I think the government has done a phenomenal job of brainwashing the entire population, young and old. What's your thoughts on that? I agree. I mean, for whatever reason, uh, I went to a small liberal arts school. Uh, I got my MBA from the same school and heard all the dreck, you know, from the, the left side, uh, or traditionally what we call the left side, uh, particularly the Keynesian uh, monetary system, which really is a tenant of both. That's across the spectrum. Uh, whether you're left, right, middle, or indifferent, uh, Keynesianism is the, the flavor of the century uh, as far as monetary uh, policy goes. Uh, for some reason, it didn't stay. I had really good experiences with some people that were uh, stuck in places in the world where things were not as good as they are here. And it was because of some of these policies that, that led to those realities. And so it didn't stick. But, but most people, for whatever reason, it does. And I know, I'll tell you this, from 2006, when I first started writing my articles, uh, there was a huge upswell of interest. People were trying to figure out what they could do. And then about five years ago, six years ago, somewhere in there, they started throwing in the towel. Yeah, they started giving up. And I think that is really the idea behind this 24-hour news cycle. One day it's this, the next day it's that, the third day it's this, the fourth day it's something totally different. And the first day, but version two, uh, people can't keep track. You know, who's our friend this week? Who's our enemy this week? You know, who do we owe this week? Who owes us next week? And you know, all this, you can't keep up with it. I think that's done for a reason. Uh, there's being, there's things that are going on right now uh, in the economic realm at the minimum uh, that warrant hiding because things are starting to get to a point where if we hadn't aware, there'd be some, some real anxiety going on, but we don't. They're asleep. We've got bread and circuses. Um, you know, we've got credit cards and all that kind of stuff. And we can keep the people happy with stupid phone games and, and stuff like that. And that's all they need to do. So you're right. It's absolutely a, a grand idea and it's been executed almost to perfection uh, by firms and, and so forth that have, that have helped with this. And people say, well, that, you know, that's, isn't that a little bit cynical? Well, see, here's the thing. If you go back and dig, you can find mainstream news articles from 10 years ago where the Pentagon caught buying news stories, favorable news stories about Iraq. Do you remember that one? No, I don't. I honestly don't remember that one. 
like 2005, 2006, somewhere in there, they got caught. I'll see if I can find some links and, and send it to you. Uh, so, yeah, this does happen. They got caught. It was admitted. Nobody denied it. Um, what I'm finding to be curious, I had had somebody ask about uh, a couple of months. It was a PDF that I had made. I sent the PDF to them, and they said, hey, none of these links work. And it was the one about the bail-ins. And all the links to the websites that had the articles about the bail-in and what it was and you know what was going on. There was uh, one from the UK Telegraph, uh, CNBC. I mean, prominent sites, they were scrubbed. So if you see anything that you think is newsworthy, get yourself a screenshot or print it out right away because if this stuff you know, twist the wrong way, they just get rid of it. You know, that's the, it's like 1984, it's down the memory hole, and you're not going to see it again. You know, you're passing out an article with broken links, but much to my dismay. Now, I did have some stuff uh, saved in PDF format, so I was able to partially, uh, you know, bring this thing to the point where it had some, some traction, but, you know, it, it's something that's going on, and this is, it's very clever. Uh, you know, in, in conclusion, it's very clever uh, what's done and the fact that we're so easily sold and I don't think necessarily that even the fact that we're so easily sold I think we want to buy this it doesn't have to be sold because we can't stand having without a depression or what's going on in Venezuela or what's going on in Argentina we don't want to think about that this is America. That can't happen here. Right. So I think we want to buy this. Well, you know, if somebody wants to buy it, selling it's really easy. <laughs> yeah. Andy, how, how long do you think that this charade can go on? Um, is, is there a, from an economic point of view, a point of no return? I guess it's a point of no return. We're there already. But at what point do, does... Um, our currency become less desirable in world trade and people say, no, thank you. I don't want any more dollars. I don't want to renew my bonds with you. I want to cash out. And of course the ball game's over. At what point does that happen? It, it would seem to me that if I was a foreign country, I would want out or is it the other countries are, are in worse shape than we're in. We actually look good. Oh, uh, we have bonds. Uh, honestly, that's what we've got. And, there have been a number of deals uh, between different nations, uh, Russia, China, Iran, Venezuela, uh, and other places to sell goods and services or to trade goods and services outside of the petrodollar. Uh, they're using something else, whether it's a currency or whether they're selling those debts in gold like we used to uh, or whatever. The point is they're not using the dollar. And what that does is it decreases demand. Lo and behold, uh, the Federal Reserve embarked on a 30 to $50 billion a month tightening of the money supply. So they're actually the money out of the system. And they do that by selling off some of the crappy assets that they bought up during the financial crisis. Yeah. So how all of a sudden those assets became worth anything that somebody would want to buy them? I have no idea, but that's one way they can pull money out of the system. And you start 
you know, normally people think, oh, deflation, hey, that's a good thing. And less dollars, it means it's worth more, right? It means my money's going to buy more. But we have this, all this debt that needs to be serviced. What's going to happen when you don't have enough dollars in the system to service the debt? Right. It's going it to lock things up if they go too far with this. And this is precisely what happened in the crash back in 1929. There was a crash. It was due to a speculative bubble. Uh, gee, we haven't heard that one before. Uh, California real estate, <laughs> you know, in 2006. Uh, so we had the, the, that happened in 29, and the market crashed. And then after that, instead of easing, which uh, just in the short term even, uh, they went ahead and tightened. And they basically put the boot on the throat of the economy and held it there until the late 1930s almost to the point where it was pretty obvious that we were going to be able to be sucked into World War II. Uh, so as far as when, I have no idea. I know we've, we're past the point of no return as far as escaping this without some kind of damage. Um, there's, there's, too much, there's too much debt. We're not even at the point where we've stopped accumulating it yet, let alone thinking about paying it off. Uh, the government's almost a trillion dollars in whole for the current fiscal year. And that's if you don't do the accounting the way you're supposed to. Uh, if you use government in the whole, if you use real accounting like companies have to use, uh, it's going to be much, much higher than that. Right. And we're at the point now where for our growth GDP, uh, we're, we're borrowing about $4 uh, to get $1 of growth. And I say grow with as much sarcasm as possible. <laughs> it isn't. It's fake. It's fake. Yeah, GDP is you know, quadrupling national debt every time we raise GDP by a dollar. We're, we're you know, quadrupling the amount of dollars onto that debt. And like I said, the, uh, the tax that were enacted this year, uh, I'll go back to the rebate. Everybody got a $1,500, I believe it was, check in 2002, three somewhere in there. That's right. Yeah, around 2003. Yeah. And then there was another one. Uh, remember that? Like 07, 08 or somewhere in there. Uh, all that stuff, that wasn't paid for by government. paid for by adding the money onto the national debt. Right. Uh, they borrowed that money to, to give to consumers. Uh, so the consumers would spend it. That was the idea. What a stupid idea. I mean, really. <laughs> but, but they all sound good. I mean, they, they, they're they good for votes, but they're not good for the economy. Oh, yeah. oh, it's great for votes. And you know what? It's great for this twisted uh, economy that you know we've become used to. But it's not a long-term plan. And if you have, you know, if you're listening to this show and you have a, a child that's, you know, you know, under 20, I would say, or a grandchild, you ought to be really worried about what their future is going to look like right. uh, in terms of, you know, how they're going to live, how they're going to work, uh, you know, you know, do these things. Where are they going to find jobs? Right. Where are they going to work for? Uh, 47% of people surveyed uh, by the Huffington Post uh, believed in a government law that everybody to have a government job. Now, I don't know who they polled. I'm sure they polled probably people up in Oregon and Seattle, Washington, but 47% think that 
the government, again, is the answer. And if the government's not the answer, the government's the problem. It needs to get out of the way and let free enterprise take over and make just make sure that nobody's, you know, crushing somebody else. That's basically what the government was put in place for. It was to referee, not not become you know, like the referees. Yeah, that's that's what's happened. Well, how do the the schools today uh, teach free enterprise, America, land of the free? You know, the all that stuff. You know, all all the things that we learned, you know, fifty years ago in school. How could they teach that and then talk about uh, having uh, giving everyone a, a a living wage, even if they didn't work? I mean, how do they? And they believe this stuff, and they teach this stuff. I, I, I don't understand. It seems like uh, we've got a, a world gone totally mad because no one seems to make any sense. Uh, the, the government has done a very, very good job of indoctrinating people through the school system, in my opinion, and making them believe everything that they hear. I, it's very difficult to have a conversation with a teacher today on economics or anything along those lines because they get angry. Because what they've been told to, or taught to teach, or told to teach and taught to teach, you know, and, and, and what they, I guess, originally believed in and what the question that you're asking are in contradiction. And they don't know how to answer it. So, of course, I avoid the conversations because I don't want to see a person cry in front of me or get mad or punch me in the nose. But they've done a phenomenally great job of indoctrinating people, college students, you know, asking for, you know, a, a, a minimum wage, uh, whether they work or not. I mean, they're in college, don't they think, and say, where's the money going to come from? I mean, this, this, no one thinks about anything? Well, I'm looking at it this way. Uh, what have the adults taught them? Whether yeah. it's their parents or, you know. And I, you're, actually, you're speaking to a, a business teacher right now, but, and I'm not crying uh, because I understand where you're coming from. And I think it does frustrate a lot of people because I know, like I said, I went to a small liberal arts company. I know uh, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. It, it, it didn't stick. Uh, so, well, Andy, he's a rebel. Uh, no, I'm not. A, I don't know why. Uh, you know, maybe I will you know, goofy or something. Well, no, you're, but, you're a rebel uh, with a cause, not a rebel without a cause. That's all. <laughs> but it is. It's hard to. It's hard to look at. You know, the reality of some of these situations. And honestly, I think people feel bad telling young kids that, hey, you know, your future stinks. And that doesn't. It still doesn't have to be the case, even today. Uh, but it's you've got to to avoid it, or to, to try to even sidestep it a little bit. Yeah. You have to be aware of what is going on, and that's that's pretty much what my mission is. You know what I try to do uh, is decide and let them decide. Uh, as long as if they have all the information and they choose to to go the other way, well, you know what. You know, this, we are free, and we have freedom of thought. And I don't, I don't think it's right to bully anybody into an opinion. If somebody wants to have an opinion, that's fine. But if they have all the information, hey, you know, see how that works. If they don't have all the information, though, see that's where you start to run into. You look at the media. You don't get all the information. 
I don't pay any attention to the American media anymore. It's totally irrelevant. Uh, It's caught up in whatever is going to make the sponsors happy. And quite often those sponsors are the same people who are putting big bucks into these political parties. And, you know, so do you think you're really going to get the truth? No. You know, those sponsors are in it for themselves. Now, they're not doing it because they're philanthropists. Uh, They're doing it because they're making money somehow or they're gaining control or influence or all of the above. Uh, It's human nature. It's avarice. We're not going to get away from it. Uh, And that's what people need to realize. Most people, you ask them, you know, regardless of what side of the political spectrum they happen to come from, uh, if they believe politicians lie and 95% of them will say, well, yeah, of course they do. But then at the same time, they're trusting the government for taking, they're taking care of their health, taking care of their uh, education, their retirement. Uh, what, what all are we trusting the government with today? Social Security, Medicare, there's your retirement plan, your health care, uh, education, you know, in for you know, food, different things like that, housing. But there's all kinds of stuff. So who are we? Who exactly are we trusting? And how is it benefiting? Well, yeah, you said it. It gets them votes. Uh, it gets them favor. And what it does is it creates dependence, not independence. Right. And that I think is the enemy uh, of us is dependence. Because when people depend on that, whoever it is, whether it was you or me or you know some government somewhere. Uh, they're beholden, whether they like it or not. You know, and that's what's happened in so many other places. You either with the party line or some places, it's downright, you're going to get shot uh, if you don't follow along with what we're doing here. Uh, you know, what, what we're seeing and what some of the situations are going on now, it's a very soft form of uh, compliance and dependence that's, that's being pushed. Uh, it can People need to be aware of these things. And that, that's the problem. You're not going to hear it on the TV. You're not going to hear it on the radio from uh, 99.9% of the talk show hosts that are on major radio. Guess what? I have sponsors too. And if they say things that their sponsors don't like, guess what happens? They lose their sponsors. So what are they going to do? Are you going to get what you have to, that's what you have to think about. You and me. Two guys here, we're not getting paid anything for this. <laughs> In fact, you paid money to be able to do this. Uh, I'm not getting anything except hopefully the satisfaction that somebody listens and says, you know what, that really does make some sense what these guys are talking about. Mm-hmm. That's our reward. You know what surprised me is that um, the Shanghai Cooperation Agreement that was uh, came into effect, I think, in last November – um, where the um, trade among Russia, China, India, I think Mongolia, Pakistan, some of the other stands and some of the islands off the um, coast of, um, uh, of the east. Um, and uh, they are going to trade oil and, and possibly other goods across uh, uh, national lines using the yuan rather than the dollar. Mm-hmm. And th- th- there was there was a lot of talk 
by economists you're saying that this could spell the demise of the U.S. dollar as a world's reserve currency. And I expect it to feel a little ripple or something, you know, not a total explosion because it never happens that way. But it was nothing. It was, a, as they say, it was a nothing burger, you know. Um, yeah. It just came and went, and it's like, the, and, and yet, it seems like the, the, the dollar is being the, 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 the dominance of the dollar in international trade is being hacked at slowly but surely, little by little, little by little. And t- t- today's dollar it, 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 it bears no resemblance to the dollar of five years ago or 10 years ago. It's a much weaker position, uh-huh. but no one's discussing that. No one's addressing that. In fact, what they're doing is they're making it even worse. It, am I just becoming a negative nanny type guy or whatever? Everything looks bad, <laughs> but none of this seems to make any sense to me. No, and that and that uh, ties right into what we talked about earlier. You know, the Fed. So if you have China and Russia and these other countries that are conducting transactions using a different currency, it doesn't matter what they use. They could use you know, sea salt or stones or whatever. They use, you know, uh, tea leaves. As long as they're not using the dollar, what that does is it reduces the demand for dollars globally. Right. Right. Now, if you have too much of something in the system, now the value really starts to tank. So I think this is why the system, because they kind of want to keep the scale balanced. Right. They want to, you know, they've got all these balls in the air. You've got bond, a bond bubble. They're trying like crazy to put up another real estate bubble. We have a stock market bubble. Uh, we have a bubble. I mean, a debt bubble. Yeah. yeah bond just bubble. a debt bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's global too. It's global, and I think they're trying to keep the, the balls in the air as long as they can. And that's why they're doing this bit of tightening here, is because they don't want to see the dollar tank in terms of value internationally. They're trying to hold on to standard. But the truth is, that's not a standard. It's, it's garbage. We abused it. We had a standard, and it was tied to gold, and it was a good standard. And then guess what? We abused it, and we lost the gold, and now we're using paper that's backed by the full faith and credit of an organization on a friggin' hot dog stand. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it just seems to me, and I'm not an economist, that the direction in which we're going is the wrong direction. I mean, it, you know, I, you see the cliff, you're in the car, your foot's down on the accelerator, and you're saying, geez, I wonder what happens if I don't put my foot on the brake. Well, you know what's going to happen. And I, I, I don't understand this complacency by everyone. In fact, I go to sometimes business meetings and subjects, and I'll bring up, I say, well, what concerns me today is the amount of debt that we're racking up and the, and the inability to service that debt. And I get business people that go, why are you so negative? <laughs> negative? I'm just, just telling you what it is. Here's the number. I mean, at what point does this number alarm you? you know? Oh, I, I try not to it's think that tough. way. That's the answer. I try not to think that way. Well, you know, if you take one more step and you fall off a cliff, does that mean that you take the other step because you don't want to think you're going to fall? 
you're going to fall and kill yourself. And I, it, it's amazing the number of people. And now forget about young people. Young people are just so of it. They have no idea. With rare exceptions, you find students. Uh, I go to a dog park, and I meet all sorts of people at the dog park. And every once in a while, I'll meet a student that's really sharp, knows what's going on, but it's rare. The rest, no idea whatsoever. Absolutely no. They have a clue of what's going on. And even the older people, when I say older people, I mean people in their 50s and 60s, you know, don't have a clue what's going on. Well, they won't either. See, the problem for those folks is they, they lived in such a soft period of American history that, you know, the idea of a recession even uh, doesn't phase them because they don't know what it looks like. I found, honestly, that the best audience to have are teenagers. If I play the inflation game with a bunch of teenagers, guess what? They understand it. Yeah. And they, they explain to me exactly why what I have said is, is happening. And, you know, I'm prime them. They, they understand that. So you get to them, and even if that's the only seed that you get to plant in their and they keep that, you know, if that thing keeps going in their mind, um, you know, they might start making decisions based on it and might start making observations and things like that. We just don't, we have not taught. And I think if you ask your teacher friends, ask them when the last time was that America taught students to actually think. And they will probably agree with you that it has been a long time. And that is the problem. It's a real problem. That's the problem, right? It's very difficult to have a conversation with anyone about anything because they they don't know. So what they what what they wind up repeating what they've heard on television, and and you say, uh oh, now I'm stuck because they just said something that made absolutely no sense, and you can't tell a person made no sense. Did you hear that on Fox News or on MSNBC? I mean, you can't say that, so you the conversation ends automatically. And I'm, I'm, I, I don't think I've ever been so negative about our society. Forget about the, the economics end of it, but the moral end of it, the, the, the logical end of it. Um, I, I almost get depressed when I see movies of, you know, 50 years ago, 70 years ago, where people, you know, took individual responsibility for everything, where, you know, parents were teaching their kids. They didn't rely on school. All these things. I go, whatever happened to this country? I guess it was taken over, slowly but surely turned into a socialistic society. Well, and you can see now people are, are celebrating Marx and and what what his principles were and what he stood for. I mean, he's the one who wrote the Communist Manifesto. Oh, I thought you were about Groucho. He's the only guy that I like, you know. That. <laughs> well, yeah, he's a funny man. But, you know, he's a lot of, a lot of people, I mean, they're, they're talking about Karl Marx and the way to, way to do things. And it, I guess for some people, it, you know, if you have somebody else that's doing everything for you, well, that's that's what they like. You know, that's that's the way they prefer to live. But you know, then you have the other group that's saying, you know what, leave me alone. I can do figure this out for myself. Well, you know, when when the students are marching in the street asking for, these are college students, asking for a, uh, everyone gets a livable wage, you know, off the top and whatever. Where are the teachers? Why are the teachers saying, hey, Johnny, you know, 
well, make it a subject of school. Have, have a debate about it. Say, where is the money going to come from? I'll bet they never – once they, they march and do whatever, they go back to class, they teach their curriculum, but it's never brought because if it was brought up, yeah. someone had to ask a question say, where does the money come from? Someone's got to answer that question, but they have to ask the question first. I suspect that question's not even being asked. Well, and you know why it's not being asked? Because for so long, we've just never worried about where it was coming from. I mean, you look at it. We, this country has had the last really, really big uh, economic disruption, you know, Maybe the 70s a little bit. So you take somebody, you know, me, I'm 47. Uh, somebody who's 57 would have been, you know, 10, 12 years old when the embargoes of 73, 74 happened. Uh, but that was that was kind of a blip. A7, I won't even remember that anymore. And that wasn't really a recession. That was more of a stock market situation. Nobody remembers long-term capital management. Nobody remembers the Latin American debt crisis. Nobody remembers the ruble crisis in 98. Uh, some people remember the dot-com bubble, but even there, there what, was, what was there to back us up during all those times now? Credit. We have not had, we lost, or not lost, but we've mostly lost our generation that has memory of the Great Depression yeah. and what it was like. I mean, it's getting very hard to find people who were around then to the point that, you know, that they were old enough that they could understand what was going on and what was happening. Uh, we just have so little bit. And how do we treat those people? No, we need, we need, there, there's a national resource. You know, we need to get every bit of wisdom we can uh, out of people. I was really happy a couple of weeks ago, uh, the school that I'm at, uh, they brought in a World War II veteran. Uh, to share, you know, what life was like, you know, back during those days. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, I don't know what all the topics were that they discussed, but you know, we, we're losing our chance to to hear from these people. And we need to hear from these people because yeah. we're so out of touch. We just really believe that we have the chinks in our armor and we can do whatever we want, intervene wherever we want, print as much money as we want, borrow as much money as we want, and there's no consequences. Yeah. Uh, and if you're a consumer and you do it, it doesn't work. And then, you know, you jump on the, the food stamp train or the you know, welfare section eight, whatever, uh, you know, you, you, you jump on the government, on the government goal. That is a career option now, sadly, for a lot of people. And, and then that's what they get from, you know, at home, community, things like that. Right. Well, you know, the, the system can't can't go on forever this way. There's going to be no. a meeting of the mind somewhere down the road. What, what I fear is that no matter where you are on the economic spectrum, it's going to be hell. I mean, it's just going to be – the United States is probably one of the worst places in the world to live. Many of the – Petership and Harry Dent and those people, they all have places in Puerto Rico. I wonder why, you know, and of yeah. course, the Darren Dorado Beach on the North Shore. And quite frankly, that's getting to be awfully attractive. Although I don't want to move. I don't want to move out of the mainland. That's becoming very, very attractive because you're in a gated community. You're not relying on the federal government. You know, 
you're sort of de- you're still an American citizen, but you're sort of detached from what's going on in the mainland. It's getting very, very, very attractive to me. But uh, how long do you think this can go? We only have a couple more minutes to go. By the way, we set up a 45-minute broadcast. By the way, because this is um, this, we're just getting started. We wanted to make sure all the equipment was working. You're a guinea pig, by the way, <laughs> Andy. So, <laughs> but, when do you think this whole system is going to eventually unravel? It's got to unravel at some point. What do, you have a guess on that or you have a suspicion? I'm a, this is going to sound like I'm trying to walk the fence, but I'm really not. It's been unraveling. I believe it's going to be a slow process with different steps along the way. You know, we've seen municipal bankruptcies. Uh, that was a step. Uh, and really not a lot of people talk about it. Uh, when, you're, when you're thinking about the the media, we've had globally, we've had countries go bankrupt. That's another step. Uh, we've got this situation, you know, with treasury bond market bubble uh, that that is. We've got the situation with uh, different countries chipping away at the dollar's reserve currency status with different agreements uh, to not use dollars. Those are all steps along this road of unraveling. I don't believe it's going to be one big event. I believe it started in 1999 or 2000 or thereabouts. Some people would say it started back in 1971 when we went off the gold standard and they would make a viable point. And some more people might even say, you know, it was 1933 uh, when the gold was called in or it was 1913 uh, when the federal reserve was created and they would all have valid points, um, you know, in the, in the, Current era, I, I think 2000 is about when this thing really got rolling. Uh, you saw the consumer really start to struggle. Uh, that became normalized. And that's the important thing to remember. Back in the 70s, I remember when I was growing up, if we didn't have money, we ate tomato sandwiches. My dad worked in the steel mill. If the steel mill was slow for whatever reason, they didn't go on vacation. Yeah. Uh, and then what happened over a period of about 20, 25 years, the idea of carrying debt became normalized. Government wanted people to carry debt, so they actually give you an income tax deduction. You can deduct the interest that right. you pay on that, on that debt. Right. Uh, so that was kind of an initiative, and a lot of financial advisors even were saying, well, it's good to have some debt. Since when? <laughs> Why? I avoid debt like the plague. I mean, I'm I'm old fashioned. Debt, debt to me is is a sickness. Yeah. I mean, that's you and I are you know cut from the same cloth. Even even though we're you know a generation, half a generation anyway, apart. I'm only uh, five years old, Andy. I mean, I'm so young. I I think I'm. But here's the thing: we can we can get down into people 30 years younger than myself and talk to them. And I think that's, that's what we have to do. We have to start with the ones that kind of have the clean slate in their forties or fifties or sixties. They have all these years of working, paying taxes, doing this, doing that, whatever, running the rat race built up as kind of, they're very dogmatic. Uh, Whereas you get younger folks, try to get them before they go to college uh, you kind of get a sort of a clean slate, and you can actually 
be fair about it. You know, hey, this is how we do things now. This is another way of doing things, which seems to make more sense to you. Yeah. Andy, we're about out of time. I think we got about 45 seconds before we get zapped. I want to thank you very much for being on our program. This is sort of a pilot program because this is brand new. It's a new studio, and we have a lot of new equipment. So you see me, you know, looking around because I I don't know where everything is right now. But I do wish you would uh, hope that you would come back and uh, and visit with us really soon. And I'll be in contact with you. Okay. Absolutely. It's a pleasure okay. being here. All right. Thank you very much, Andy. Appreciate you for your being our guest today. Bye now. What do I do? There we go. Okay. All right, folks. This is the end of today's broadcast. We'd like to thank our sponsors for the financial support. And we'd like to thank you for listening in. You can further the cause of liberty by recommending this program to your friends and let's hear from you. Our email address is comments at libertytalkradio.com. Remember, as my wife would say, you're either allowing your liberties to be taken away or you're striving to protect them. Unfortunately, there is no middle ground. Until next time, this is Joe Cristiano. If you've been listening to Liberty, stay tuned. <laughs>